Hi, this is Jeffrey Aaron, and welcome to a special July 4th, Saturday edition of Flying Talkers. We're at the doorstep of a couple of days off. We thought we'd share some thoughts with you going around in our heads and also things we've picked up along the way covering this industry as we continue in our attempt to bring you the news and information that might be useful to you wherever you are. Emotrans has taken a step against racism. This great international freight forwarding and logistics company leads the way. One of the few companies in the air cargo business that have come right out with some definite plans to clearly state which side it's on. And it comes from the top, from Joe Frigger, the chairman. We also have a how-to book, if you can believe this, How to Be an Anti-Racist, which was published in 2019 by a brilliant young man named Ibrahim Kendi. He lives here in Jamaica, Queens, right near where we are, in Jamaica, on this July 4th, greatest city in the world, New York City. We also have something else going on here today, which quickens our heart. Baseball's coming back. Baseball's a necessary thing in the summer in America. We'll tell you why in a piece called Why Baseball Matters. Clive Data Services, that's been tracking air cargo for a couple of years now, said we just had a Christmas rush in June. Well, that sends a rush to us, talking about an industry that seems to be running for cover since taking pictures of uh, cargo running in seats on passenger aircraft has finally become a thing of the past. But let's play along and see what happens. Flying Talkers 2020 is brought to you by the people of ATC, simply the best GSSA in the transportation business. ATC today delivers the global airline cargo business the fastest growing, most respected general service and sales organization in the world. ATC Can Do Difference creates for all ideal situations designed by people working together to win. To discover what ATC can bring to your business anywhere in the world, contact HQ at ATC-Aviation.com or take a look and reach out at www.ATC-Aviation.com or you can call at 490-69-6980530. ATC, one world one global air cargo GSSA. Emotrans Customized Global Logistics has been implementing solutions for the past 50 years, actually over 50 years. 250 offices in 120 countries, you can connect via Emo to every corner of the globe. They're nimble, they're stable, they deliver a personalized service. They're a privately held company with an infrastructure and multinational leadership. 
During our experience, dating back nearly 50 years in this business, the commitment of the Emotrans team for creative, customized thinking and logistics to solve not only the most complex cargo challenges is also seen in the clear thinking of the company. It's just outstanding as they speak out in a clear, unwavering voice on the world discussion right now of racism. Listen to what Joe Frigger, Emotrans chairman, told me. Quote, with the current events concerning racism and its effect on our daily lives, it's time to clearly state which side Emotrans is on. Joe Frigger pulls no punches when he says, Emotrans stands with all of those that oppose racism and discrimination of any kind. We believe in the diversity of thoughts, ideas, beliefs, experience, and the inclusion of people regardless of their race, color, gender, language, national origin, religion, orientation, or age. Well, that about covers everything, right? Emotrans at our core is a logistics company, Joe said, and our purpose is to bring people, ideas, and goods from a beautifully diverse and interesting world together. We firmly believe that the more people know about each other through exchanges made between different cultures, the more we all realize that we are all actually about the same. So here's the stand against racism 2020. Emotrans believes, Joe said, that kindness and acceptance are the paths forward. We're a global company that's composed of many different races and ethnicities, and we acknowledge that we are not perfect. Standing against racism and discrimination is an exploration that requires all of us to look within, as well as outward. Emotrans is deeply affected by the current global protests and fully supports the intention of all anti-racism movements. We feel, Joe Frigger said, that peaceful demonstrations are an important, inalienable human right, and we stand with those who march in that spirit. Tolerance driving change is also a place in the Emotrans plan. Joe said, from the board of directors on down at this company, we'll always act to educate and remedy any discriminatory behavior as soon as it's made known. Reforms are needed in many areas. We're prepared to do our part. We are currently working on ideas in addition to tolerance training methods that we already employ on how to best educate our organization by taking things further will conscientiously identify, discuss, and confront issues of racism and discrimination and the impact they have on our organization, our systems, and our people. Emotrans will also challenge ourselves to understand and correct any inequities we may discover within Emotrans and gain a better understanding of ourselves during this purposeful process. It's a unique moment in history. The process will be a journey. And it's the learning along the way that makes this work 
worth all of our efforts. My view, Schofringer said, is that anything that keeps this movement in time as part of the public conversation is ultimately a positive thing. Well, those are words that I haven't heard anywhere else in the business. I've heard corporate statements, uh, predictably corporate statements coming from several different quarters. But the heart and soul of our air cargo business is the forwarding community. They're the people that make the freight forwarders. Freight forwarders are the people that make our business go. And what Joe Frigger's come forward here is unique. It's bold. It's courageous. You might, some of you might say, well, maybe it's overdue, but you know what? We're in the here and now, and this company is delivering. Thanks so much, Joe. This is Jeffrey Aaron. Oh, thank you. Sometimes when you talk about a unique moment in history, and when you talk about what's going on in the world, what you see on television and see people out in America, out in the streets, even in some other countries now demonstrating, the brilliantly brave people in, uh, in Hong Kong uh, fighting a terrible, terrible oppression from the Chinese government is certainly one of those areas where we can look at see, see some real heroes. It might not be a bad idea to expand your reading this summer if you have some time or make some time. It's a great, great and a very important book that changes sensibilities, gives people a sense of perspective, and not really by preaching to you, but just trying to explain sensibilities that you might not understand. There's a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist, and it was published in 2019 by Ibram Kendi. Ibram, I discover, lives somewhat near where we live here in Jamaica, Queens, New York, uh, and uh, found out also, sadly, that he's a very young man, but he might not be well, so we wish him Godspeed and all good health, but this is what he had to say. It's a necessary read, I want to say this to you, as the summer moves ahead. You know, in the summertime, we have Um, summer reads, right? But the current racial climate in the United States and the way many Americans view and treat black Americans demands something heartier to digest. That's my view than the standard light fare reserved for summer. So yeah, it's okay to read a book and maybe do an escape. Everybody needs some time off. Uh, While we're broadcasting on Saturday, we're going to take a few days off next week. But how about a thoughtful, learned, and compelling look at restructuring our current sensibilities and actions as doors begin to open in America and, may I say, everywhere else after the lockdown? The book is a reasoned guide for anyone concerned with dismantling racism both personally and within structural institutions. How to be an anti-racist says this, the only way to undo racism is to constantly identify it. There's no magic pill here. You've got to be on your toes and pay attention. You can't say, Kendi contends, I'm not racist or colorblind. Because first of all, that's 
just an excuse. You're sort of sending a negative message. I guess I'm speaking to people that are not of color, but certainly you could you could reverse the color in any of these comments and think, well, yeah, you're not a racist, or you're not colorblind. Wherever that's said, it's the wrong message. And there's no neutrality, see? You're a racist or an anti-racist, period. Likewise, saying that you're colorblind indicates a failure to recognize racism, which freezes thinking into racial passivity. Kendi says, you know, we know how to be racist, and we know how to pretend not to be racist. Now, know how to be an anti-racist. How to be an anti-racist is available in to library patrons via ebook format. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's on the New York Times bestseller list from a year ago. And there's a great list of Black-owned bookstores on our website, uh, aircargonews.com. Well, there's a group called the uh, African-American Literature Book Club that celebrates black literary history and legacy. AALBC was formed in 1997, stating that black literature is for everyone. Well, unfortunately today, bookstores are going the way of, uh, I don't want to say the whalebone corset, but boy, if you love books, you love bookstores. You love the atmosphere of a bookstore. And uh, anyway, there weren't that many black-owned bookstores to start with. A really good one is the Lit Bar, and it's located up in the Bronx here in New York uh, on Bruckner Boulevard. And Noelle Santos is there all the time, and her phone number is area code 347-955-3610, or you could email the Bronx Reads at thelitbar.com. That's L I T B A R.com. The Bronx Reads at litbar.com. And uh, get some more books because there are a lot of them up there and, and, and a lot more to read. Start, but you got to start somewhere. Start somewhere. Start and let's just find out how to be an anti racist. Not that we need to go back to school, but maybe we actually have to challenge our own sensibilities. We know where we are. Let's just make sure we're telegraphing the same message as to how we truly feel out to the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, this comes down to a which side are you on? It's an important moment in history. It's a unique moment in history as we see it, a chance to advance things. Sure, there's going to be extremism on all sides of it. One way, some, one side doesn't want to do this, another side wants to go all the way and over the mountain, maybe even over the rainbow. But we have a unique moment in history. Let's come out of this time the way we came out of the 1960s. I remember coming back from Vietnam when there were terrible protests going on. 
Maybe you could think about Haight-Ashbury in 1967-68. Maybe you could think about the Kent State shootings in, uh, in Ohio State. That in, Those incredible images are burned indelibly on a generation's minds and still today can't be denied. Point is, when these unique moments come along, we have to take advantage of them to make the greatest country in the world even greater, and we lead by that example. So there are bookstores that are available, there, there are uh, Kindle books you can read, there are lots of things you can do to get involved in it, to uh, better to be able to express yourself and to think about these things. And during the summertime, when the feeling is high, I think it'd be a good time to start. This is Jeffrey Arendt. Well, in 2020, with our schedule of trade shows just about canceled, we'll have to sit in the back seat for a while because you may want to hold a conference. The question is, who's going to attend? Likewise, the uh, webinars where people basically get on and speak for 20 or 30 minutes, do advertisements for themselves rather than advance the process, I think they're going the way of the whalebone corset that I always refer to. But there are some things we can do to stay in touch and certainly uh, the social media that's offered Zoom and some other uh, abilities to talk to family and to conduct business meetings and in our case as journalists to do some interviews is interesting. Although I think probably as this particular episode of Flying Talkers is running long, if you get into much more than a half hour doing anything, nobody's going to stay in with it. There have been some numbers that have come out recently that I guess bear some uh, reporting. It's a company called Clive Data Service that began tracking air cargo numbers a couple of years ago. Uh, but they hadn't seen anything 2018 since the global impact of COVID-19 that clobbered us, just clobbered us, the airline business during the first five months of the year. But, but Clive does recognize cargo movement upward from PPE to more traditional shipments that occurred in June. And looking ahead, Clive Managing Director uh, uh, Niels uh, Van de Waal, I think uh, de Waal in Dutch translates in English to the kite, which is kind of a cool name for a guy pushing numbers, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Niall has a great career he had at KLM Cargo, some other places he was, but he's also a guy who's eschewing the crystal ball approach right now that he's doing numbers by taking a wait and see attitude for the remainder of 2020. This is what he said, our press release he put out everywhere that caught my eye. Um, load factor in June was at a level we did not see during normal peak Christmas periods, resulting in yields that were well above June 2019 levels. That's pretty cool. Next test will be how the influx of normal passenger flights, which are not driven by cargo demand, will impact load factors. We're watching, that's that's the end of what he had to say. We're watching uh, all the various airlines and all the various car cargo operations uh, as they wean off of PPE and start to go to regular uh, shipments. There certainly is a demand. That's gonna have to be met by 
in the first instance for cargo, stores opening up broadly for people to come in. But in terms of the vast majority of cargo, it's going to be have to be driven by the passenger business coming back. But right now there are restrictions between the Europe and the United States, and the United States and Europe. But there's also an overwhelming amount of enthusiasm for the cargo business based on the publicity it got during this pandemic period when it was the only game in town. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed that people are ramping up their services now. Virgin's opening up a bunch of U.S. Uh, destinations and, and uh, later in July and then opening up the rest of its routes. We're going to have to watch very carefully and keep our fingers crossed. It's a day-by-day -day thing, isn't it? But uh, hey, we're tough guys, tough women, tough people in this industry. We hope to come out on the other side and keep them flying. This is Jeffrey Arendt. We used to have this great television show in America called Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. And at some point during the program, when they wanted a segue from one part of the show to another, they'd say, and now for something completely different. Okay, so we're going to segue to something completely different. Right now, almost every July 2020 summer in the city street in my hometown of New York features a fork in the road as folks are outside dining at improvised sidewalk cafes. It's an incredible thing. I live in Queens, somewhere between Kennedy and LaGuardia Airport. And frankly, I don't live in a neighborhood that has sidewalk cafes. In Europe, you see lots of sidewalk cafes. This time of year, you think about being in maybe an outdoor garden near Frankfurt someplace in a little town, one of those little sleepy towns, you know, where the where there are grapes growing, like in Wiesbaden or something out in the, over, over on the town hall. Or you think about being in Paris for sure, because there are lots of sidewalk cafes. Well, in New York, that's going on everywhere. I see it in Manhattan, certainly. It's seen in other parts of the city. But right now, the ban is you can't sit inside of a restaurant and uh, so people have been allowed to have sidewalk cafes. So the most ordinary places now, if I'm out taking a walk, uh, socially avoiding everybody else at my age, you know, I'll, I'll see these places on Union Turnpike, which is our main street, runs past St. John's University, runs all the way from Kew Gardens, which is the first major little stop when you come out of Kennedy Airport, straight out on, all the way in Long Island, uh, past St. John's University and some other places. Well, you'll see these places now where people are sitting outside dining. And uh, I don't want to call it a poor man's uh, Paris, but certainly it is a great recollection of bringing that great, big, wide, wonderful world right home now at a time when we're locked down and can't move around. It's nice to see it. And uh, yeah, well, the counterpoint, you know, to all this... COVID and existence that we have is baseball, the baseball, the U.S. big game of baseball. Uh, and yesterday on Friday, Yankee Stadium in the Bronx saw the ace pitcher Garrett Cole. He's the big phenom, take the mound. 
and he looked like he hadn't lost a step. He was throwing a ball 100 miles an hour. The guy is unhittable. What's happened now is they've announced that baseball is going to come back on uh, probably around the 19th or the 20th of July. They're going to play a shortened season. They're not going to travel too much and apparently going to disinfect the baseballs. And There aren't going to be too many people in the stands. But damn it, the boys of summer are going to come back and take our mind off of uh, things that have been pressing against us unrelentlessly. Uh, unrelentlessly. I'll figure out how to say that word someday. Um, in a shortened baseball season, doesn't really matter. It's a different world. So all over the USA, we're going to have baseball back. And it's a blessing. It's just a blessing. I mentioned the boys of summer. They'll be with us for this needed change. Today, Yankees are holding their first full team workout in three months. So they're going to broadcast the workouts. We are so pumped up about baseball coming back. And we are so hunger starved for that sport, that lyrically beautiful sport. They're going to hold their first team workout in three months. So the real countdown begins that blessed baseball can come back and we can move through the remains of the year until fall with that particularly poetic grace of a game that can lift millions of cooped up, stressed out Americans. Now, if you're sitting in uh, London or uh, in Mumbai or East Timbuktu or in Australia someplace, thanks for listening. But I'm going to tell you why baseball matters. And uh, I want you to be aware of exactly how many people have loved baseball. But, but I also want to tell you about somebody who expressed his best. But we realize you may not follow the game, right? And you know, of course, you know about football. It gets a lot bigger audience than baseball does to speak of in these games. Baseball is sort of a considered like an old-fashioned sport now these days. But uh, what it is about baseball, okay? I've said enough here. It was defined by this great, very funny humorist that we miss named George Carlin. And I'd like to read for you for a moment what George said about baseball and why it matters. Carlin said, quote, baseball is different from any other sport. Very different. Okay, now follow George down. Why is baseball different? George says, well, in most sports, the ball or object is put in play by the offensive team. In baseball, the defensive team puts the ball in play and only the defense is allowed to touch the ball. In fact, in baseball, if an offensive player touches the ball intentionally, he's out. Sometimes unintentionally, he's out. Also in football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, and all sports played with a ball, you score with the ball. And in baseball, the ball prevents you from scoring. Think about that. In most sports, the team is run by a coach. In baseball, the team is run by a manager. And only in baseball does the manager or coach wear the same clothing the players do. 
take a look at the field. You see the coaches on the third base and the first base side. You see the pitching coach in the dugout. You see the bullpen coach out in the uh, outfield and where the where the reserve pitchers are. In baseball, the object is to go home and to be safe. Ah, I hope I'll be safe at home. That's the one thing the ball player thinks. Baseball is the only major sports that appears backwards in a mirror. <laughs> Baseball has no time limit. We don't know when it's going to end. Might have extra innings. We may have to. Might we could be you? It, it, technically, you probably could sit and watch a baseball game till the end of time. Of course, they usually call the game because they're out of pitchers. And when that happens, they call the game because they're out of pitchers or they're tired or darkness comes. If they don't have lights, well, I guess they have lights everywhere now. But the point is, that's a game that technically could never end. Think about it. A sports game that unless they finally pull a plug on it for one reason or another, it could never end. And there's no sudden death, anything like that. But let's just talk about right now because it's coming after baseball because I'm looking in the sports pages of the paper. Sometimes in this pandemic, I have to admit, I read the paper backwards. The sports pages are always in the back of, of the New York Daily News that I read every day. But anyway, or I'll look in the USA Today for the sports section. But let's just, let's let's do a baseball versus football with George, who hits a home run here. That's, that's the, when you score a run. Let's see what he had to say. Here's the difference. In football, you wear a helmet. In baseball, you wear a cap. Football is concerned with downs. What down is it? Baseball is concerned with ups. Who's up? Who's the batter? Okay, who's playing third base? Who's, who's playing second base? Who's coming to pitch? Who's up? In football, you receive a penalty. In baseball, you make an error. In football, the specialist comes in to kick. In baseball, the specialist comes in to relieve or save somebody. The pitcher's getting his brains beat out. They're slapping the ball all over the field. The guy can't get arrested to get somebody out. So they go to the bullpen and the guy comes in and what he's trying to do is save something. Football has hitting, clipping, spearing, piling on, personal fouls, late hitting, unnecessary roughness. Baseball has the sacrifice. The batter gets up. There's a guy on first base. There's nobody out. He hits a fly ball to right field. The guy catches the ball. The first guy, guy first baseman runs to second base. Same thing if there's a guy at third base. Guy hits the ball far enough into the outfield. He can come home and score. Now, technically, the guy didn't get a hit but he sacrificed himself. He hit a fly ball for the overall good of the team to score. It's just a sensibility thing. Look, Walt Whitman, my idol, was a baseball writer, one of our greatest writers, greatest poets. And he wrote a book of poetry, put this on your list perhaps for the summer, called Leaves of Grass. And this is what he said about baseball in 1855. I see great things in baseball. It's our game, the American game. It will repair our losses 
and be a blessing to us. So as we jump off into July 4th, we take a couple of days off. Let's play ball 2020. I'll just watch the, be happy to watch the batting practice now. You know, Aaron, Aaron's going to be out there hitting his uh, uh, home runs and uh, the pitchers will be there and the catchers will be there and uh, it'll just be wonderful to see it again. And we'll have it for all of August and all of September, some, somewhere into October. I always think the seasons run a little bit long. This year, we were supposed to be playing since early March with spring training and stuff going on, and that we missed March, April, May, and June. It's a game that was called six months out of every year, and this year it'll only be a couple of months, but it's back, and we couldn't be happier about it. We hope wherever you are in the world, you're safe, and everybody in your circle is well. And for your time this time, until next time, this is Jeffrey Aaron saying, thanks for listening. Keep them flying air cargo and be good to each other. Goodbye. Good, Lulu.